0: No, I am not going to do the hula for you. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, thank you. I'm going to put this right here. It's beautiful. I'm going to put it right here. And uh, I just want to say thank you for being such fabulous worshipers. Wow. I mean, you guys are like fanatics. But you know, when men say, hey, those Christians are getting loud, hell says they're getting dangerous. And thank you choir! What What do you think? And you guys didn't get the memo. It's black and white. So, sorry, you didn't get the memo. No. But can I encourage Church Unlimited to never, never lose your joy? Because the songs are great and everything's great, but it's the joy of the Lord that's in you that makes everything start to move. You've got beautiful voices, you have beautiful instrumentation, but it's the joy of the Lord that makes the difference. You see, the devil cannot steal your salvation. It's wrapped up in the blood of Jesus Christ based on what he has done, not what you've done. How many of you are glad for that? So your salvation's wrapped up in the blood of Christ. He can't steal your salvation, so he'll steal the joy of your salvation, and you walk out of it yourself. He can't steal your marriage, but he can steal the joy of your marriage and you'll give up on it yourself. He can't steal your ministry, so he'll go after the joy of your ministry and you'll give up on it yourself. So guard your joy. The joy of the Lord is ours, which means if a church is filled with joy, it's a strong church. Don't let the devil steal your joy. It is one of the greatest gifts God has given. Now, there's going to be a lot of things that will want to war against it. I remember, you know, I got saved when I was 19 years old. And that was about 10 years ago. And and when I got saved, I mean, I I knew God saved me and I had to go into ministry. I mean, I had just come out of rock and roll. I was living in a bad place with some people and... uh, I had stuff in my uh, house, and uh, when I got saved, I got rid of uh, most of it. And, uh, I mean, I had tarot cards, I had I Ching, I had uh, cross tops, I had acid tablets, I had uh, uh, bongs, and uh, uh, you don't know what that is, and uh, you're not supposed to know, you're Christians, but but when I got saved, I got rid of everything except a little bag of uh, Hawaiian, we call it pakalolo, and uh, it's marijuana. And so I thought, just for a rainy day, just for a rainy day. So I had this under there, and uh, but I'd go to church, and I got rid of most of it, 99% of everything was gone. And, uh, but after a while, it was like the devil was just nailing me, bang, bang, bang. My joy was getting stolen. Uh, Things were going wrong with my life. Things I just couldn't get my head together. And uh, I just kept saying, God, what's going on? The devil's attacking me like crazy. And I tried in the name of Jesus get out, you know, get out of my house, get out of my life. And nothing would happen. Now listen carefully. The Lord spoke to me and pointed to the little baggie of Pakalolo. And listen, no, this is crazy. And uh, he said this, the reason you can't tell the devil to get out of your house is because you got some of his stuff in your house. And if you want to have authority over the devil to let him know he's trespassing, you cannot have any of his property in your house. Because if you do, he has the right to come in. And one of the things God began speaking to me is to clean, keep cleaning, keep cleaning my house. Now listen, it won't happen all at once. And uh, I wish it could, but there's stuff inside that you don't even know is inside that's going to surface. But when I say to people, my wife keeps a clean house, it doesn't mean that it never gets dirty. Because I got three... um, animal children and they they mess things up all the time but the reason my house is clean is because as soon as it gets clean my i mean as soon as it gets dirty my wife what cleans it not next week not next month as soon as it's dirty she cleans it up and the same is true with our lives when things go bad clean it up one at a time Little by little, things will change. And that's what I want to talk to you about, how God changes us little by little. Sometimes we'd like God to change us all at once. I'd like to be like Pastor Talk, or I'd like to be like this, or I'd like to be like that. And we look at these people that have been walking with Christ 40 years, and we think, I'd like to have their stuff. Not available. No shortcuts. You can't take shortcuts. Now, see, a lot of times we really don't want to learn how to pray. We just want the blessings of someone who did. We really don't want to sacrifice for our marriage. We just want the blessing of someone who did. We don't want to work hard for our maturity. We just want the blessings of someone who is. And the Lord says, Not available. You must go through that pathway to develop the depth and the width and the breadth of your heart and your faith. There's no shortcuts. So he's gonna do it little by little. And the enemy's gonna come and mess you up, and you just gotta clean up. I remember when I went to Bible college, I was three months old in the Lord. Three months old. So I didn't know a thing about the Bible. I came from a Catholic background, and when I got saved, they gave me a New Testament, a paperback New Testament, because it was cheap. And so I got this New Testament. I brought it to Bible college. That's all I had now. I just come out of rock and roll, right? So my hair, I had long hair. So I come into to this Bible college. And all of these people, they're like saints and angels and cherubim and seraphim. They're coming in with these big, big hand trucks of Bibles and dates, annotated commentaries. And I thought, what? I got my New Testament, baby, right here. I remember the first class. I was sitting there and the teacher Now, I'm brand new. The teacher gets up, and I guess she's going to do a devotional. So she says, students, let's all turn to Jeremiah. I turned around. I thought, who's Jeremiah? You Jeremiah? And one of the kids behind me said, in your Bible, stupid, in your Bible. (laughs) Have you ever tried to find Jeremiah in the New Testament? I was, look, all class, I'm looking. You're in here somewhere, dude. I know you're in here. You're hiding. I know you're hiding because they found you. Boy, did I feel stupid. But you know, God had a plan. He had a plan for my life and he said, Wayne, I'm going to change you little by little. And God does that with us. No, it's not in one big fell swoop. Today I want to talk to you about little by little. In Exodus 23 and it's going to come up on the board, let's read this scripture together and see what he says. Go. I will not drive them out before you in a single year that the land may not become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you until you become fruitful And take possession of the land. What is God wanting to do? For us to become fruitful and to have the power and the enablement to take possession that requires character and maturity. Hence, He works with us little by little. And you have to understand the pace of God. In growing in maturity. When I was in Bible college, I used to play soccer or football football in the middle of this big track and field uh down in Eugene Oregon where they would do the Olympic trials i mean it's very it was a mecca of track and field and as i was playing soccer and practicing i noticed on one side there was a guy that was uh, high jumping and uh they would start off at about oh maybe um 1.3 meters or so and they would jump over that and it was pretty easy and they Raise it, you know, 1.32, 1.36, and then 1.4, and 1.5, and it kept going up. And as the months went along, because I'd be playing soccer there, months would go by. They were getting ready for the Olympic trials coming up around June. And so this was in September, and I'd watch them every day. This one guy would jump, and then they would put it up another two centimeters, and then jump again, and jump again. And every day I'd watch him, and that bar would go up just a little bit. Well, come May, the big announcement of the Olympic trials had come out, and this guy that I'd been watching was going to be uh, preparing to run in the, uh, in the meet as a high jumper. And he was preparing for trying out for the Olympics. So I thought, wow, this is so cool. I've been watching him every day. So I went down there, and I didn't know who this guy was, but I went down there just to watch him high jump. Now, the the world record is 2.45 meters. Yeah, so that's a lot. I'm about two meters. And uh, so it's a little taller than where I am. I'm not sure how to convert inches to meters, so Approximately. So the world record 2.45. Well, this guy was jumping at now is 1.9 meters. And I'm thinking, this is crazy good for this little college. And then they went, it was up to two, about three days later, it was up to 2.1. And I thought, man, these guys are jumping. This is like seven feet something by then. I thought that this is crazy. And it came to two point one, and if he would he would clear two one then he would win, and he would be in the Olympics. And so we were just, everybody else faulted out. You have three tries. If you knock it down once, twice, third time, you, that's it. So he went up there, and he jumped once, and he knocked it down. He jumped second time and knocked it down, and this was the last. But if he would clear it, then he would win. We were all biting our fingernails, just thinking, oh, come on, come on, you can do it. So I watched him consult with his coach about the cadence of his timing of his running, about the the increase of lift that he needed, about the thrust of his head and the arch of his back and the flick of his foot and the timing of all of that. And then he walked up to the bar and he looked at it for the longest time, almost as if he was making a deal with it, like the Indians would. (laughs) But like he was making a deal with it. And then almost as if the bar said, okay, make my day. And it's like he nodded like this. And he walked back and looked back at it a few times. And they took a few breaths. And he began to run with the longest strides you've ever seen. And then his strides got shorter and shorter. And then he came to that bar and his body exploded, boom, into the air. His head went over, his back arched just at the right time. And the flick of his foot was... Perfect. And he just barely tipped that. And it, it wiggled the bar, but it stayed. And he came down, and we went crazy. Everybody just went, yeah, we went crazy. I started crying. Oh. <laughs> I wanted to run down there and say, you don't know me, but can I hug you? <laughs> and you know, I was thinking, he had two one inside of him. Yeah. Even when he was jumping one three, he had two inside of him. The potentiality of 2.1 meters was inside of him. He just proved it. But that was in him when he was jumping one meter. But he would never have been able to realize that 2.1 was in him unless he would have been willing to raise the bar little by little. Some of you have 2.1 inside of you for the kingdom. Yeah. You don't know it. Because you're always wanting to go from 1.3 to 2, uh, 2.1. And you think that's just too high, I can't do it. So I'll just watch those who are. And you never engage. But God is saying, just like anybody, whether it's talk or Sam or Jody or Adrian or myself, we were all at one meter but we had to put it a centimeter or two at a time and then you realize that inside of you is 2.1 but it won't happen unless you're willing to raise the bar little by little I want to encourage you to not ever feel frustrated because you don't match up Uh, We we have great speakers that come, besides me, but great speakers that come to these conferences, and you look at Bayless, or you look at Joel, or you look at, you know, uh, the UK people, and you think, wow, we could never be So we're just going to observe and watch. No, you have 2.1 inside of you. It may not be in that gift mix, but it's in your gift mix. Because if each of us were a 2.1 flying with our gifts, Just think what kind of church this would be. Wow. But you see those people and you think, I could never get there. Nah. I tell you, the scripture says it differently. In the book of Zechariah, it says this. Don't despise the day of small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work what? Begin. You got to start. Here's my suggestion to you in looking at Zechariah's Advice Here here it is. Start small, but start now. Start small, but start now. Don't wait till next week or tomorrow. Start now. Well, what do you mean? Uh, You read the Bible five minutes a day. Read it six minutes. Just little by little. And then the next day, seven. Put it in your calendar. Today, eight. That nine. That ten. That eleven. Little by little. You can do it. It won't be long before God sees that you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in... But if you're not faithful in little, you won't be faithful in... Yeah. If you want to lose weight, get up tomorrow morning. Just start small. Put on your tennis shoes, lace them, take them off, go back to bed. That's it. (laughs) And then the next day, put on your shoes, shorts, (laughs) go back to bed. You keep doing that. In about three weeks, you'll be to the front door at least, you know. (laughs) I know I'm just funny, but you understand what I'm saying? Do what you can and quit berating yourself for not being some Kenyan runner. Those guys are so fast. (laughs) Wow. I've run marathons before, and uh, I've run four marathons in Honolulu, and 30,000 runners, 30,000. It's a huge marathon. And these Kenyans and people from Africa, they're so good. And they come, and they line up in the front, and they're, they're just sharp athletes, man, with, you know, slick kind of... Stuff on whatever you call it, uniforms or <laughs> costumes, I don't know, whatever you call them. And, and they're up front, and I thought the first year, you know, I'm going to be like them. I'm going to pace the Kenyans. <laughs> so I, I kind of sneak up to the front where they are, you know. And boom, the gun goes off, and whew, man, I started running. I stayed right with them for, like, the first five feet. And then they just went So I just tried keeping up with them because I figure I'm just going to be like the Kenyans. And I tell you, in a mile, I was throwing up. I had to, about the fourth mile, I had to have an ambulance pick me up. I was so tired. I was exhausted, fatigued. I couldn't breathe. And then someone said, Wayne, don't pace the Kenyans. Yeah, but that's what I want to be. One Don't pace the Kenyans. When you run, look for somebody that's kind of running your own pace and just a little bit more. What? Little by little. a little bit more. And I thought, that's what I'll do. That'll help me and make sure that you're pacing someone that's just a little bit faster because it keeps you honest it helps you to increase. And you'll get better and better. You won't be in the hospital. You'll be getting better and improving because it's little by little. So, the next race, I looked for someone that was running kind of my pace. And it's usually ladies that are 70, 80 years old. (laughs) Just a little bit more. No, I'm just kidding. But but God wants you to increase a little by little because you know what it's doing? It's building your faith. It's not destroying it. you've got great conferences here. And this is my last time with you. I just want to say, you're going to see those. They're like celebrities to you, but don't pace them. Well, what do I do? Learn from them. Just learn from them. Learn the disciplines and the regimen that they use to get to where they are little by little. And it'll give you hope. Don't try to pace them though. But find a small group, a life group here, where you can get with people that just a little bit more than you. Find that. And you'll be surprised in a year, your life will change exponentially. Because you little by little. It, right after World War II. uh, General MacArthur uh, sent a a, kind of like an expert in improving and in success principles. His name was Dr. W. Edwards Deming. Sent him into Japan because Japan had been devastated by the atomic bomb. And so he said, we need to send some people in there to help them build their businesses back. Well, Dr. Edward uh, Demings went in there and said to the Japanese businesses, if, among other principles, but this is the main one, he said, if you will improve something about your product, something, doesn't have to be a lot, just 1% every day, just look for something to improve, anything. The balance of your pistons, he said to Honda, or the, the way that you shave your piston rings to Toyota, to get it more precise, to machine it just a touch more, take a little bit more time. He gave them this tall promise. He said, if you'll do that, in 10 years, you'll turn your economy around. In 20 years, you'll be a world power. And in 30 years, people will be buying products from Japan and trying to keep up with you. Well, the Japanese people took that and accepted it, hook, line, and sinker. They said let's just go for it. In fact they even coined a new word for it. The word is Kaizen. Kaizen. Kaizen means constantly improve little by little. Say that. Kaizen. 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 Yeah that's it little by little. Well they did it and they machined their engines just a little bit more. They refined it. Their design was a little bit better. They get, got their technology just a little, just little by, just little by little. And sure enough, in 10 years, their economy had turned around, and in 20 years, they became a world power, And today, in the United States of America, besides China, we owe the most money to Japan. They own of our stock market nearly one trillion dollars they have bought. And if you look at things that Japanese have made, whether it's Sony or Canon cameras, the technology is amazing. All of the world is trying to figure out what they're doing. How'd they get there? Little by little. And I want to encourage you with that principle. It's straight out of the book of Exodus. Little by little. Improve something about yourself. Because you see, if you improved 1% a day, at the end of the year, you will have improved yourself 365%. Now, if Japan can do that for their economy, I think we can do that for Jesus. Is that right? Do that for Jesus. Then the church begins to rise. Not just talk about rising. Rise. But it's little by little. So do something. Tomorrow morning, do something, you know. Put on deodorant under both arms instead of just one. <laughs> Tie your shoes, comb your hair, shave, something. Change your shirt. Oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, he's one of the nicest Indians I've ever met. I tell you. But whatever God shows you, be faithful to that. He he won't say you've got to be a Kenyan. He just says, just be a little bit better. Just a little. What is it that God's asking you to do? You know, I have a to-do list, and I also have a to-be list. And I write on my to-be list things that I need to improve. If my attitude dropped today, I'll write down tomorrow. Keep your attitude up all day. Just, Just a little bit. No one might notice it, but I will. Another one was... My mind started straying from time to time. So I wrote on my to-be list tomorrow, Lord Jesus, here's my prayer. Please be pleased with my thoughts today. I want that to be my prayer. Be pleased with my thoughts today. So I'll write little things down and try to improve 1% a day on the to-be list. You know, it's in the book of Psalms 119. Uh, Verse 105, you know this verse, it says this, thy word is a lamp unto my, and a light unto my, yeah, now, thy word, when I read God's word, he's going to give you something that's going to just sparkle. Have you ever been reading the Bible, and after about, oh, 15 or 20 verses, a verse just, boom, pops out at you? Yeah, Yeah, I call that the Holy Ghost highlighter, he just, highlighted something for you. And what that means is there's something in there you have to apply. It's for you. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Now, when he gives you something little, maybe about your attitude, your spirit, your your smile, lack thereof, whatever it might be, he's going to speak to you. And when he does, write it down. i got to work on this. In Matthew 10, 27, what you whisper in my ear, shout from the housetops. What you say in the dark, speak in the light. Well, then I would write down, I need to listen more to God. Because the question isn't, is God speaking? The question is, am I listening? Because God is speaking. So tomorrow, I'm just going to sit and listen for five minutes. Just say, Jesus, would you just talk to me? How's my marriage doing? How's my worship? How's my heart? My sincerity? Or am I just contriving stuff? Or am I doing things ostensibly rather than genuinely? Lord, would you make sure that there's no pretense in my heart? Lord, what about my family? How am I doing there? And I'll just listen. And he might say, take your wife out on a date, you know. Take her to dinner. And, uh, or do this, or do that. And so, yep, honey. Hey, how's about a date tonight, baby? <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. I'm there. Good. Me too, baby. So, <laughs> so Just kind of apply. Because watch this. In, in the old times, a lamp... Uh, was just something really small. It was probably about just this big like this, and it had a little bowl on it with some olive oil and a wick that floated. Now, this is called a lamp. Thy word is a? Lamp, lamp unto my? Now, when I lit this candle here, as it were, it only would give me enough light about one meter in circumference. That's it. it it's not... It's just enough light Listen, it was only enough light for the next step. Well, I can't see beyond it. It's dark. Yeah, but if you take one step in the light that you see, it'll light up your next step. you got to walk to the end of your light to get light for the next step. Walk again, it'll go to the next. Walk again, it'll go to the next. Little by little. Why? Because God is developing in you faith. That you must have courage to walk to the end of that light. That's all the light I have. Then walk to the end of it. I didn't ask you to walk beyond it. Just walk to the end of it. Now watch this. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. But if you turn around, he's been a light unto my path. How'd you get this far? Little by little. Little by little. Because what did he build in the way? Direction? No. Trust. Faith. Willing to take a risk and step out of your comfort zone and go to the end of what you know. Because God's going to just reveal to you little and see if you're faithful to it. Because if you're not, why should he show you more? It's in Luke chapter 20. Some Pharisees came around Jesus and they folded their hands and they said, Who gave you authority? To say things like this like you're teaching and jesus counter questions them. he said hmm that's a good question let me ask you a question oh they said really okay what uh, the the calling of of john the baptist do you think his anointing was like made up or do you think it was really from god what do you think well they said well let's huddle up so they huddled up what do you think? Uh, I don't know. If we say that his uh, calling was from God, then Jesus is going to ask us, then why didn't we believe him? Oh no, we don't want to believe him. No, 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 no. no. And uh, if we say it's from man, oh, there's people around that like John, they're going to get mad at us. Oh, because yeah, we have to just make sure that people like us. So what are we going to say? Oh man, I don't know. Hey, that's a good idea. Let's just tell them we don't know. Oh, okay. All right. Break. All right. <laughs> we got the answer. Yeah, what is it? <laughs> we don't know (laughs) and Jesus says something really interesting Jesus said "Then if you answer it that way that you don't know Jesus said then neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things you say what does that mean I'll tell you what it means here's what Jesus was saying if you you know that his calling was from heaven you know that God had sent him right but you just didn't want to admit it. Here's what Jesus was saying. So, if you can't be accountable to the truths you already know, why should I reveal to you truths that you don't yet know? If you can't walk to the end of the light that you already have, why should I give you more? If you can't be faithful in the little, how are you going to be faithful in the much? And if you can't be accountable to the truths you've already been given, why should I give you more stuff? For if you can't be accountable to the truths that you already know, why should I give you truths that you don't yet know? So he grows us little by little. by little. One of the things I was struggling with was... Uh, tripping over again and again that God really spoke to me, and I'm just going to kind of open up the curtain, all right, uh, was in the area of forgiveness. Uh, not in forgiving others, but asking God for forgiveness for myself. Because, see, I, would, I was tripping over the same thing I'd been tripping over for a long time. Same sin I'd been repeating again after, one, just kept repeating it. But every time I did this sin, I'd feel terrible about it oh God I shouldn't have talked bad about that person or whatever it was and I said oh God I just forgive me forgive me so okay the next day I talked bad about somebody else oh God forgive me forgive me and God would for- how many of you believe God forgave me when I asked him yeah. yeah and then I'd repeat it again and then I started using it like ah God forgives me anyway so I would do it and He'd forgive me again every time I asked him for forgiveness do you think he'd forgive me everybody say yes yeah, but watch this now, watch this. Now, every time I asked him for forgiveness, he forgave me. By the way, how many of you struggle with the same sin, repeating it over and over again? God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, thank you, yeah, makes me feel better, so okay, so <laughs> I thought I was the only one, but, but there's, I want to tell you that, okay, this is going to sound like heresy, Pastor, but stay with me, all right? Because I leave tomorrow and you have to clean it up, so. (laughs) But I want to talk to you about the danger of forgiveness, okay? Watch. I do something bad. Oh, God, forgive me. I forgive you, son. Thank you. I do it again. Oh, man, forgive me. Yeah, forgiven. yeah. Do it again. Forgive me. Oh, God forgives me. Oh, wonderful. Then I do it again. It's like I didn't change. It was almost like I was asking God for permission so I can keep doing it. Forgiveness was not God's permission for you to continue. It is God's power for you to be delivered. Let me say that again. you got to hear this. Getting God's forgiveness isn't like getting God's permission for you to continue in that. It's receiving God's power to be delivered from that and be free from that. So God gives you forgiveness and grace and you change. God's grace and forgiveness changes you. It's like this. Let's say, uh, what's your name again? Yeah, James. All right. Let's say James is my son. And he comes to me and he says, Dad, do you have proms here, like high school proms and stuff? Yeah. So, Dad, there's a prom I want to really go to. I said, good, James, good, good. But, Dad, I need like a tuxedo, one of those really nice white things. So I said, oh, man, that's expensive to rent one of those. Yeah, I know, Dad, I know. Okay, but I'll get you one. okay. Well, I get this beautiful tuxedo for James. Whoo, he looks dashing. He looks wonderful. One of the problems is, as he's going to the, the prom, he sees a mud puddle. And when he was growing up, he loved to roll around in mud puddles. <laughs> it called to him like a pig. He just wanted to... Oh <laughs> so on the way to the prom, James sees a mud puddle, looks around. Going, 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 going. Then he's like, What have I done? What have I done? He comes back to me, Father, Father, forgive me. I, I mud puddled. Oh, what do I do? Oh, James, it's all right. Take that off. I'll get you another one. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you. No problem. I love you. I love you. So he gets all washed up. In nice new tuxedo. Oh, so now, son, go. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. And he goes and sees a bigger mud puddle. Oh, oh! Going, 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 going. Then he goes, "Oh, Dad, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." I hug him. I, I love you, son. Will you forgive me? Could you forgive? Yes, I can. And I'll get you another one. It's just expensive now. It's three times the cost. But here, and I'll get this for you because forgiveness this gets expensive yes dad thank you okay go on oh thank you dad for your forgiveness and he sees one that's deeper and stinkier than any other mud puddle he has ever seen and he fights the fights the temptation with all he's got but all of a sudden going going. now he comes back to me father forgive me for for i have sinned and i say i forgive you i forgive you now listen if he did that 50 times I would still forgive him. but Listen carefully. I can forgive him a hundred times. But the problem is, you'll never get to the prom. You'll never make it to the party. You understand? God wants you to make it to the party. He wants you to get there so he can say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, I want him to forgive me. How many times do you want him to forgive you? Fifty, a hundred? How's about seventy times seven. Yeah, he'll forgive you. But you'll never make it to the party. And his goal isn't just to get you another tux. It's so that you make it to the party of the Father. And he'll rejoice over you. Don't get the wrong theology about forgiveness. My Father forgives. But his goal isn't to get you another tux. It's to get you to the party. Amen. (laughs) That was a good point. You should write that one down. But let me wrap it up with this. God's going to work with you little by little. Find someone that you can pace that's kind of where you are in just a little bit more. So you improve, 1% a day. You'll be over 365% improvement. And when I come back in seven years, six, whatever, you guys will be, like, amazing. Be tremendous. I'll try to get him to invite me back sooner, but uh, it's been tough. And, uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Improve little by little. Watch what God has in store. But here's the cool thing. I want you to see this. The last verse comes, and would you put that up? Yeah, let's read it together. Now this is at the end of of that little uh, paragraph, Exodus 23. We come back to that and read it with me. Go. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land, and you will drive them out before And who will? And But who's going to give them to us? The first? Who's going to give it to us? God, so God's going to give into our hands the people who live in the land, and you will drive them out before you. Now, wait a minute. It, aren't you going to do it? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I, I, I'll, I'll bring you the growth and the faith and the maturity, but you're going to have to drive out the temptations yourself. Oh, I'll take care of your growth and you making it to the party, but you got to partner with me in this. You don't just sit and observe and, and consume... There's something you need to do. Start small, but start. Start small, but start now. What do you need to do now? Well, I've been just kind of giving a little bit. We'll give a little more. Let God start to stretch your faith. Well, I can't give like somebody else. No, 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 no. Little by little, and in a year you can, because God's going to build your faith commensurately. Go to the edge of your light and God will show you the next step. But God will do it, but you have a part in it. But in the end, it won't be your doing, it'll be God's. Let me uh, finish with this. I, I, uh, when I was 19 years old, I, I went into the ministry. I was a youth pastor at 20, 21, and I've been in the ministry since then. So it's 40 some years, that I've been in full-time ministry, and I've done nothing else. And, uh, well, just recently, we kind of refurbished our family farm in Oregon, and one of the things I wanted to do was learn to weld. Is that what you call it here, welding? Yeah. And, because uh, I just wanted to do, you know, oh, a man thing. And so I, I said, I want to weld. Oh. So I bought this welder, you know, and... Uh, so I tried welding, and I have horses, I love horses, so we've got 15 horses that we board at the farm, and I own two of them, And uh, but I wanted to weld some saddle racks, because they have Western saddles over there, not Australian, but it's Western saddles, so I wanted to build some racks, and, and, and they're pretty heavy, so I thought I'd weld, so I'm trying to weld, and the stuff not working too well. So there's a man down the street, that's an old gruff farmer, and he's a welder, and uh, so his name is Bill, So I, I, Bill Swaggerty. So I, I drove to his house <clears throat> and I said, Bill, will you teach me how to weld? I'm trying to weld saddle racks, it's just not working. He said, yeah, I'll teach you how to weld. I, he said, I said, well, what should I do? He said, bring your welder over. So I said, all right, all right, I'll bring it over. So I went home and, and I put my uh, welder in the, the glove box and uh, I drove to his, <clears throat> to his farm. And I took the thing out. I said, There it is. He goes, So I said, Well, you know, I'm welding with it. I bought it. It cost me $100. So I was welding, and he says, No, 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 no. Let me get my welder. You don't have enough heat on your welder. So he brings his out. It's this massive thing, like on train tracks. (whistles) Plugs it into a nuclear plant. (whistles) And he starts this thing up and. I mean, sparks are going everywhere. I run outside of the shop, and he's welding. And then he says, there it is. I said, wow, that's a beautiful saddle rack. He said, all right, now grind it, grind it down. So I got some sandpaper out. Shh. He said, no, no, no. He got his grind, and it's got wheels about this big. Rrr, Rrr, and sparks are going everywhere. And I run outside his shop, and then he's there. There, how's that? I said, oh, man, that's beautiful. He said, now paint it. So I got a can of paint. <laughs> he said, no, 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 no. And he gets his paint gun. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. We did nine of them like that. And he said, all right, I'll take it, I'll take it with you to your house and we'll, I'll help you hook it up. I said, all right, Bill, come on. So I put it in the back of my pickup. And then I drive home and he's there with me. Oh man, Bill, thanks so much. No problem, no problem. And I stop and my wife comes out. And I opened the back of my pickup. I said, honey, look what I made. Yeah, and Bill was so nice, he's, he looked at me and said, yeah, he did good, he did good. <laughs> I didn't do a thing except run out of the shop and back. And then I looked at that later and I thought, that's just like God, isn't it? He just wants us around. He's going to teach us. But I will drive them out. I'll take care of that. But you're going to have your part in it too. You write down what I'm asking you to do, little by little. And be faithful to what I ask. Even if it's to start a to-be list and, and I say, change your devotions tomorrow. Add five minutes. Add four minutes. I want you to to encourage five people. No, no. Three people tomorrow. Encourage three people tomorrow. Can you be faithful to that? Because if I can't be accountable to the truths he reveals, why should he reveal any more? Little by little. And when you do, one day you'll turn around and see that he has been a light and to your, your path. Remember this, faith is living in advance what you'll only understand in reverse. And you'll look back one day and you'll say, I made it to the party and that has made all the difference. Amen. Amen.